you and please take your seats. Now, I think most people in this church have heard of Woody's in, in Bristol, a, a, really, a church that has blessed us so much, mainly as uh, much as anything through a guy called Andy Street, who's one of our advice elders, and he's one of the wisest men I've ever met, you know, and he like exudes kind of godly knowledge in everything he does, and, and yeah, he's been a great blessing. And this morning, we're going to be blessed again by from Woody's, where we've got Tim coming to, to share with us. So Tim, come and, come and join me. Thank you very much. We're really excited to see you. Can we just pray for you before we let you let loose? So Jesus, I thank you so much for this man. I thank you for the church that he has served you diligently for so many years, Lord. And I pray that this morning you will just give him a confidence and release through him things that we just need to hear, things that are going to grow us, things of your heart, Lord. And I pray that, yeah, you really bless Bless him as much as he, we are blessed through that word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank right. you. Thanks so much, Jonathan. That's really kind. It's lovely to be here with you. Uh, we've had to, I've had a few links with Walton Baptist Church for, I think, about 25 years ago, we brought some young people from Bristol out to the countryside. Oh, yes. We used Walton Baptist Church, and there used to be a hut around the back for about 30 or 40 young people who were leading CUs in secondary schools across Bristol. Just recently, it's been lovely to have Hattie uh, kind of based with us for a year, part of her training, and Matt Hebditch uh, has been helping us with uh, as we've been reviewing our church life. So it's been great to have those connections, and it's lovely to be with you here in person this morning. And this morning, we, we have the chance to look at just the last bit of Hosea. And it's Hosea chapter 12, 13 and 14. Very fortunately, I'm not going to read them all to you because uh, we'll be here the rest of the morning. But we're just going to pick a few things out from this book. And as, we've, as you've been looking at the book of Hosea this past three or four weeks, it's an amazing book that uh, speaks about partly the consequences of people who go their own way. But time and time again, just that reminder that God is a God of love and God's a God of compassion. So we're going to think this one just briefly about what does kind of how does returning to God bring blessing? Returning to God bring blessing. And these last three chapters are chapters where Prophet Hosea does again once more, it seems to be a repeating message. Come on, guys, get your act together. Come back to God. If only you'd come back to God. Don't serve other gods. Don't serve other this nonsense. Come back to God because He is the one. So this is what he says, this is going on to to, to chapter 12, and I'm hoping the little clicky thing is going to work, Uh, he says very hopefully, if not I might have to rely on the back there, is that, there we go. Okay, here's here's what it says in, in Hosea chapter 12, the Lord has a charge against Judah, he will punish Jacob according to his ways and repay him according to his deeds. Again, there's this circling message coming back, guys you, you should have been my people, you should have been following me. In the womb, he, that's uh, uh, Jacob, grasped his brother's heel. As a man, he struggled with God. He struggled with the angel and overcame him. He wept and begged for his favor. He found him at Bethel and talked with him there. The Lord God Almighty, the Lord is his name. But you must return to your God, maintain love and justice, and wait for your God always. These are the words, and I suppose, how do we hear God's words spoken to us? How do we hear God speaking? And I suppose through Hosea, there was two things. So if the next slide comes up, how do we hear the voice of God? I suppose the first way was that Hosea acted something out. 
And we looked at that in the, in the first. So he acted out, the next slide there says that he acted out kind of the living prophets. They, he embodied the message of God. If you return to God, you'll be loved like this. And uh, if you were here a few weeks ago, you'll see how he went out and he kind of, this woman who was a prostitute, who married, uh, loved, uh, and loved and loved her. There's something about embodying the word of God. How do we hear and know the word of God? Actually, sometimes we need kind of the living prophets. Uh, here's Hosea, and he was speaking to them there and then. And, and again, there's times where people will speak to you. And as people speak to you, actually, you hear something of God speaking to you, God's voice. Sometimes we're so caught up in the way we're living and caught up in our own thought life. Sometimes we need other people to come and speak the word of God to us to speak some kind of challenge. Actually, sometimes the world needs the word of God speaking to them. Actually, the, the, the world needs to hear God's word. How are they going to hear God's word? Well, sometimes they need God's word to be embodied, need to be acted out. And that's part of the challenge for us, isn't it? How do we embody what God wants to be saying to this broken, hostile world? How, does, how, how do we embody the, the love of God? How do we embody something? How do we, um, there's a phrase that I, I love which says, how can we live a better story? Everyone in the world is living a story, living with a storyline, and, and somehow with God we have a better story. And, and we should be living that out. We should be the living prophets saying to the world, this is how we should live. But it's interesting in, in these, uh, these passages here that there's also the written prophets. I don't know if you noticed that uh, in that passage it talked about about Jacob he was Jacob and holding on to his brother's heel in, in his mother's womb and and how he wrestles with God there's the next one so that's in Hosea 12 3 and 4 and also verse verse 12 as well it also later on it talks about about Moses about Moses being a prophet of God the Lord used a prophet to bring Israel up from Egypt by a prophet he cared for them talking about his Moses. He talks about Saul in Hosea 13, verse 10 to 11. It talks about Saul, kind of, you said, give me a king and a, and a prince. So in my anger, I gave you a king, and in my wrath, I took him away. Here, as well as the living prophets, as Hosea speaks to the people, tries to get them back, he says, actually, there's something about the written prophets that, that we, we need to hear. Here's something about the story of Jacob. Here's something about the story of Moses in, in, the, in the wilderness. Here's something about the story of, of Saul. Looking back to the written scripture, but actually the scripture points towards Jesus. Jacob the shepherd, there's a good shepherd. Moses the prophet, there's a great prophet. Saul the fragile king, there's a great king. And as we find in Jesus, Jesus is the one who comes as the good shepherd. Jesus is the one who comes as the great prophet speaking the words of God. He's the one that comes as the great king to bring justice and rule upon the earth. And in some ways, how do we... Both listen to the living prophets and read the former prophets here. And how do, as we, we uh, listen to God's word, how do we let that form us, change us, challenge us, and live by the words that we're hearing from our fellow believers, words we're reading in scripture, how the spirit will speak and challenge us. So just three things that he says in these three books is people, those who had ears to hear, could hear. Those three things he said was one was about returning to God. Return to God. So in verse 6 there, it said, You must return to your God, maintain love and justice, and wait for the Lord always. I wonder if there's times where you feel you've wandered. You've wandered a bit. Maybe not intentionally. 
actually sometimes intentionally you but you've some you've drifted and you've wandered and somehow kind of you've gone and other things have caught your attention other things have caught your imagination and there's times where God says to us even for those of you here who are Christians actually will you return to me will you return to your first love Will you return to your first devotion? Actually, will you come and find me? Uh, in chapter 14, again, it, there's a call out to Israel. It says this, return, return Israel to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Uh, take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, this is what we say, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Forgive our sins and re- receive us graciously. And actually, that's the message of Hosea. Actually, whenever we feel we've drifted, wherever feel we feel we've wandered, actually, there's the call, return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. Ask to forgive your wrongdoing. And the wrongdoing that sometimes is active, and you know that this week something you've said was really harsh, something you did was really selfish, kind of something that, 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 you, that, that happened, you know that in your own heart there was something that even now you're looking back and think, ah, oh, I wasn't very proud of that, I wasn't very pleased of that, and not only wasn't I proud and pleased of that, but I know somehow it's disturbed and, and hurt God. And there's the call, return, return to me, return to me, Receive us graciously, and God is the God who does receive us graciously. Is there blessing? Well, when we return to God, we find he's God of love and compassion. The second little kind of thing that from these verses is, is a, a verse that, that Paul picks up in the New Testament. If we return to God, what kind of blessing do we find? And actually, the second thing we find is there's victory over death. Victory over death. These verses in uh, Hosea 13, it says this, verse 14, I will deliver this people from the power of the grave, I will redeem them from death. Where, O death, are your plagues? Where, O grave, is your destruction? Does anyone know where else that appears in the Bible? Anyone with a good Bible knowledge? It's 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul quotes it. Actually, Paul, he kind of slightly misquotes it. So if if ever you misquote the scripture, you're in good company. Because Paul doesn't quite get it quite right. But he says this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written comes true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? What's one of the blessings of returning to God? I think one of the things that really affects the Western world is fear of death. In, in many other countries, death is just a part of life. Death is, is and, and of course there's grief and there's the tragedy and there's trauma, but death is very kind of obvious and it's, very, it's, it's there and it's a, it's a, there's a communal grieving and mourning and, and sometimes things that we see on the news where there's been death, actually it, it's something that, that a, a, a kind of affects everybody, but it's very public. Somehow in the West we hide death away, we sanitize it, we put it into a chapel of rest and uh, and, and many people uh, I speak to, have, have, uh, in kind of some of our younger adults, have never actually seen a dead body. Because somehow, as soon as someone's died, there's a fear, there's a, there's a tragedy, there's, there's something, we're, we're living for our material world. So as soon as material life comes to an end, I mean, that's the worst thing that could happen. But there's something about coming to find God, coming to find his love, his tenderness, actually coming to find him in the face of Jesus, and all that Jesus achieved on the cross. That the thing that the book of Hebrews says, that kind of the fear of death that holds people captive, holds them like slaves, slaves to that little kind of nagging thing, what happens when I die, and oh, kind of, 
is there a future and what about after the grave and and somehow in the old testament people didn't really know what was going to happen when they died they had this kind of shady place called sheol that was called the grave and and they were never quite sure what was going to happen but the prophet hosea says actually something has happened that there, that death will be swallowed up in victory paul was convinced that through jesus death and resurrection when we turn to god not only is it for life here and now to know what it is to know God's gracious, kind, compassion with us here and now. But there's the assurance, there's a certainty that death is not the end. Death is just a comma, not a full stop. Life continues on past the moment. This, this perishable will be clothed in the imperishable. And I think that's good news. Do you? Early on a Sunday morning, I know, that's good news. For each one of us, 100% certainty, we will face death. But the good news in Jesus, we don't face death alone. That death is not the end. That beyond that, eternity with Jesus, seeing our Father face to face. What's the benefit and the advantage of turning to God? It's victory over death. For those of us here who are believers, actually that is our certainty. And, and, and maybe we're going to pray in a moment. And maybe if you're held at all by the fear of death, I just want to pray this morning that these verses of Hosea that Paul takes up, there's a resonating truth that can, that can hold you, can keep you. I think as Woody Allen says, that kind of, I don't mind about dying, I just don't want to be there when it happens. And, for, and some of you, the, the fear of death is not necessarily what's going to happen eternally, but it's the, the process. And as our bodies start to fail and, and we, we start to start, start they feel fearful, but actually I want to pray this morning for the peace and the love of God. But just the last thing that he says here is about compassion, healing, and love. In uh, chapter 14, what's the advantage of turning back to God? He will, we will never again say our gods to what our hands have made. For in you the fatherless find compassion. I will heal their way, way, waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. Father, Father, you the Father, in you the fathers find compassion. I will heal their waywardness and I'll love them freely. And in some ways, why should we this morning turn to God? Well, we find in Him compassion. Compassion for the fatherless. It was great to hear about the, the orphan care that was happening. Um, in, in our church, we've, we've, for the last kind of 15 years, we've run something called Single Parents Fair. There's just a few photos that kind of... It's, it's, a, it's a morning for people who are single parents. We moved our congregation that I was leading from Westbury on Trim, very middle class, to an urban poor area called Southmead. And within Southmead, 53% of children are brought up in lone parent families. So when God talks about compassion for the fatherless, actually there was over half of the children in the community where we were worshipping. So we, as the Single Parents Fair, we have a morning where we, we treat the children to a, a fun morning. Everything's free. And, and while the kids are having fun with face painting, Mads Castle, balloon modelling, uh, the, the mums uh, have a chance to be pampered. So we have homemade cakes and that are, are all free. Uh, we have second-hand clothes that are donated, quality toys that are donated, and actually they go away with all kinds of free stuff. While that's happening, we, they have pamper sessions, so there's kind of massage or free haircuts, get professional hairdressers in. We take uh, photograph, family photographs. If you've ever been to, to one of those professional photographers where you, kind of, you have these framed photos on your wall and they cost probably a few hundred pounds, for single parents, 
they can't afford it at all. So we take some high-quality photos, we print their, their family photos, and say, come back in three weeks' time at half past ten on Sunday, we'll give you a photo. They come back for the photos and find church meeting. And there's something about showing compassion to the fatherless. Here's a little message that we got from one of the mums after we had the Single Parents Fair two years ago. It, it said this, I thought the fair was fantastic. I've been feeling quite low prior to coming along and left feeling valued and seen. The fact that you have photographers there almost made me cry as I have almost no photographs of my child and I together as there's no one to take the picture. Just every church was so thoughtful from the post-it note on the bag saying, put your feet up, you deserve it, to the free cafe and the clothes for adults I got two pairs of trousers and bin the pair I come along in as they were falling apart. And I'm still enjoying my haircut. Just thank you. Thank you so much. More than I can convey, actually. I cut out the bit on the paper bag and have stuck it on my kitchen wall. The bit that says, with love. The day did fill, feel filled with love from total strangers. I was very moved by it. Thank you. There's something about the compassion, the tenderness of God. We act it out. We demonstrate the love of God. Why? Because he is a God of all compassion. Compassion to the fatherless. Actually, he is a God who heals our waywardness. Actually, he is a God that shows us love. Uh, we've run out of time, but I suppose two questions I would ask us. One is, in, in what way do you need to return to God today? Actually, is there ways in which you've just drifted? And we just do drift. It's not as though we're thinking about it. It's like we're sometimes out in the... Uh, holiday in Cornwall, there's some beaches where there's a, there's a, a current that, that you can just be having fun, and, but you look up and suddenly you've drifted. And sometimes we can unintentionally drift away from God. And maybe you're here this morning and you think, actually, I think I have. I've, I've drifted. And, and to return to God, to find his love and compassion and blessing. I suppose the question, how can you receive the blessings of God? How can we receive all that Jesus died to bring us? The psalmist, uh, sorry, the, in the book of Hosea finishes with these words, and maybe it's a word uh, by an, an editor. It says this, Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord uh, are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. Actually, we want to be amongst the righteous. How do we hear these words, put them to practice? How do we return to the Lord, find his healing, his love, his compassion. Find that in him, we no longer need to fear death because there's victory. Let's take a moment to pray. And as we pray, I would just love to give us just the opportunity to return. And for some of you here, you may, I mean, you may never have known God kind of personally for yourself. And, and you know that life is not kind of working out for you and there's a moment this morning where you can say, I want to return to God. I'm not going to serve things that my hands made. I'm going to follow God as I see in the person of Jesus. Maybe some of us need just to admit we've drifted and just in these moments confess. If we confess our wrongdoing, God is faithful in us. He will forgive us. He will cleanse us. Maybe for some of you this morning, you need to know the compassion, the healing, the love of God. In these moments, just as we have a little moment of quiet, and I pray, maybe reach out to God for his compassion for you, his healing for you, his love for you. Lord, we thank you so much for the message of Hosea that calls us to turn. 
may we turn to you today and find in you the blessing, both in this life and the life to come. In Jesus' name, amen.